0: On Every Main Street is a weekly program that takes a deeper look into the greater Lehigh Valley small, medium, and large businesses that might be found on every Main Street. Tonight, join me, Greg Caponia, as we invite WDIY listeners to learn more about the entrepreneurs with great ideas serving the communities in which we live. Good evening and welcome to On Every Main Street. I'm your host, Greg Caponia. And this evening, we have two very interesting segments. First, we'll talk with Holly Harrer, the Director of Content and Social Media at Discover Lehigh Valley. And then we will chat with Martha Capwell-Fox, the guest curator for a new exhibit at the National Museum of Industrial History. Welcome, Holly.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: You bet. This program goes out to our local listeners as well as our online listening audience streaming across the country. And Holly is here to chat about some of the great things that we have going on in the Lehigh Valley and why you should plan to visit this very unique area of Pennsylvania. Holly, there's a lot of things to do here, aren't there?
1: Oh my gosh, so much. You know, summer is really a time where the Lehigh Valley comes alive. I mean, I know we get super excited with the Christmas City and Chris Kendall and all the fun things that happen around the holidays, but I can't, there's so much going on in the Lehigh Valley that it it sometimes makes my head spin. I mean, you're a resident here. Is there ever a time where you're just like, I don't know what to do first?
0: There's always something fun to do, but from what I understand, you have a new way for people to connect and find out more about what's going on. Can you tell us about that?
1: yeah, so my my position at Discoverly High Valley has really been for gosh, the last eight or nine months. um I've been handling a lot of the social media efforts. and and you know for for those of your listeners who are uh, on social media, that is an mm-hmm. interesting world, one that is constantly changing and one that I'm trying to keep up with every day. But um, it's really given us an opportunity with a lot of video content. To bring people in on the Lehigh Valley experience, um, and, and get, you know, people who are following us from all over the world to see the kind of offerings we have here. And there are just so many again, makes my head spin. Um, but we're showcasing a lot of, uh, hotel stays, things to do with your family, uh, places to, to see and visit while you're here. Um, you know, it's really been an integral part in how we, um, promote lehigh valley and get people here so be sure to follow us on all social media at lehigh valley pa we launched a tiktok channel which has been super fun um to to get some people to follow us on there really trying to bolster our following and and get people to uh like some of our content follow along with the goofy things i'm out doing and the things we're seeing so um yeah it's been it's been an interesting way to to bring people in on the experience and Hope we continue to do that.
0: So once again, for our more senior listeners, in order to (laughs) follow what's going on, you have to go to one of your social media platforms like Facebook or Instagram or maybe TikTok and follow Discover Lehigh Valley, correct?
1: Yeah, like and follow us on on social media. Um, Facebook, we're really looking to to uh, start sharing more video content there. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's just the easiest and quickest way to reach to reach an audience. So um, those are our, our main modes right now.
0: So if I were looking at TikTok right now, what would I see? <laughs> what are you promoting?
1: We've got things at new cafes that are coming to town. Um, we're showcasing hotel stays, places to eat, um, promoting some really cool events, Dorney Park, Whitewater rafting, Music Fest is coming up. We've got new restaurants coming in, if I haven't just mentioned that. Um, just some really cool things to, to see, do, eat. Especially, I, I love nothing more than getting out and trying new food and, and giving you know, local restaurants and, and chefs an opportunity to highlight some of their skills. So that's been really neat. Um, but yeah, just, just bringing you all in on the Lehigh Valley experience has been my goal.
0: This is a great place for people to come if you're in the city of Philadelphia or New York mm-hmm. uh, Washington, and we have a lot of listeners online to get away from the big city and maybe come to the smaller towns and and uh, get in touch with a few of the things that we have going on here. It's really easy to walk around, isn't it?
1: It is it is, and you know we've seen more, especially it's been nice to see our numbers grow since the pandemic, you know I know a lot of people were kind of fleeing the big cities to, to spread out a little bit and, and have a, a newer experience for, for themselves and their families. And, um, you know, the the Lehigh Valley is, you know, we've got Allentown, Bethlehem and Easton. Uh, but they're all in, you know, relative distance to each other, uh, all walkable downtown. You know, we're always promoting uh, just, just getting downtown, taking a walk and stopping in the, the market and, um, embracing some some local history in that right. So definitely walkable places and uh, lots of things to see and do and try uh, while you're in Lehigh Valley, for sure.
0: Do you have a specific local event that you'd like to talk about right now, That one that you like?
1: Sure. Well, you know, we're, we're talking about summer, and again, I've mentioned, there's just so much going on. It's, it's hard to know where to even start, but I made a little bit of a list. We've got our insider's guide on our website at discoverlehighvalley.com. Where we're constantly updating with new information, things to see and do, and just giving you kind of a behind-the-scenes scoop of what to expect and how to plan. Um, but, you know, summer is a, a good time for our local farmer's market. Um, there's one really just about everywhere you look, notably Easton Farmer's Market, the nation's oldest continuous open-air market. Um, we also have one in Emmaus, Bethlehem, Bath, all places you can pick a fresh produce, a book, or, you know, a handmade item from a local vendor. Um. Those are really awesome weekend happenings. Um, a lot of our of people locally flock to those for those kind of things. And, of course, our festivals. Um, music Fest is coming up. That's the big one. Many who live here or research the area are familiar with Music Fest. We look forward to that every year and are excited to welcome some big names in music from uh, the Counting Crows, Willie Nelson, and newer artists like Kelsey Ballerini. But it's, again, a time that this, this area really comes alive. Warm weather means festival season, and um, we're excited to bring locals and, and people from all over together to enjoy the best that this area has to offer. Um, I mentioned our insider's guide. That's where we're kind of bucketing these, these big items for visitors to get the need-to-know information and plan their stay. But we're talking about festivals, um, so some of you really cannot miss things like the Blueberry Fest um, that's happening on the 16th and 17th at Burnside Plantation. Um, it's really a, a blueberry lover's dream. Uh, we also have uh, blues. Yeah, if you've been, I mean, it's, yeah. it's really something to see. <laughs> we also have uh, Blues Brews and Barbecue coming up on the 23rd. Hamilton Street in Allentown will just be taken over by the smell of barbecue, the sound of live music, and just the most delicious barbecue to try from across the region. Um, the month of July also presents uh, Lehigh Valley Passport to History, and the title kind of says it all, right? It's an opportunity sure. for visitors to explore local history through a variety of museum tours, uh, interactive exhibits, children's activities, um, and that's happening weekends throughout the month. Um, and then, you know, we, we start to look at August, of course, brings. 10 straight days of Music Fest, as I mentioned, but also we have the Drum Corps International Eastern Championship, which is just amazing to witness. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Drum Corps, um, and the Nation's Drum and Bugle Corps will be performing the first weekend of August at the J. Bernie Crum Stadium in Allentown. Um, so you might even hear them from you know, surrounding towns. It's really going to be something.
0: So this is amazing. a national event, right?
1: It is. It is. Yeah, and it brings, like I said, the the you know the nation's drum and bugle corps um, to the area, uh, and it's something really a lot of people look forward to.
0: So does blues, brews, and barbecues smell as good as bacon <laughs> fest?
1: Oh, I'm sure. I mean, bacon <laughs> fest. Wow, that is one that you can smell for miles, um, and and one that attracts people um, near and far, really. I uh, think it's, that's one of our, our big fall events
0: i think it's important to point out that if you are in <laughs> one of the larger cities and looking for a way to have a less expensive experience with a family this is mm-hmm. a good place to come because you're just not paying those big city prices to get into say a blueberry festival and there's a lot of things yeah. to do there and, and and also these are really fun events for families aren't they
1: Sure, sure thing. Um, you know, we've also, we do a lot of, we try to push out a lot of free free events um, for families to take advantage of. In the summer, that means free movies in the park, which is something I wish my parents took me to growing up, you know? Um, this event brings big screen entertainment to local parks across Lehigh Valley. Um, we also have a comprehensive list of, of those places and what's showing on our website. Um, it's another one of those, you know, grab the kids throw a blanket or a lawn chair in the car and just get out and enjoy a night out together. Um, it's a big one for people here um, to get together and, and hang out um, in various parks across the region, which is nice. Um, we also, I mean, I mean, we were mentioning events to do with the family. Going to the drive-in is something I've been nagging even my friends to come with me to go and do. Uh, I might go by myself if I don't manage to get them <laughs> all together.
0: Where, but, um, where is the drive-in?
1: We've got Becky's drive-in and Shankweiler's drive-in. Um, they're relatively close to the region. It's so a little bit of a drive, but Shankweiler's is recognized as the oldest operating drive-in theater in America, and I can't think of anything more nostalgic than that. Um, so that's, that's where you can go to see new movies all summer and allow you know, for you and your family to make really amazing, lasting memories. Um, a drive-in is definitely something you want to prioritize when you visit the region.
0: So families, you want to take your kids to the drive-in and (laughs) show them that uh, hot dogs do dance on the screen and pizzas do roll, (laughs) and all those things that you're used to seeing or or used to see when you were a younger person. Right. Um, One of my favorite things to do is the Levitt Pavilion.
1: Yes. Yes. Free concerts at the Levitt Pavilion this summer. It's amazing.
0: And how long does that go?
1: Oh, gosh. All summer into September. Um, we've got that on our website too for folks who want to know who's who's going to be performing when. And um, all it takes is just again bring in your lawn chair and back in the car with a couple of friends and um, putting your on your dancing shoes and enjoying some live music for free. It's amazing.
0: And of course, tell us again when Music Fest is for all of the folks that are listening outside of the area.
1: Music Fest is from August fifth to the fourteenth. Um, it's a you know ten days straight of uh, of live music and some big names in music coming to uh the steel stacks for this one of I would say this is probably the biggest event of of the year uh for Lehigh Valley. It's one that attracts people from across the country. Um and it's it's just a really great time trying to food and uh and it it just, just to encapsulate the beauty and the fun that is in Lehigh Valley.
0: And there are some shows where you have to pay, uh, to buy a ticket, but a lot of the programs are free mm-hmm, and a lot mm-hmm. of the shows. So if you're looking to have a, a fun day or evening or full day, um, all you have to do is show up and mm-hmm. the parking is easy, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Parking is not, yeah, not bad. Uh, you know, even if you, if you're not, you know, planning to, to go and, and catch a concert, um, you can still hear the music out loud. The the Levitt Pavilion has free music there um, for for Music Fest goers to to sit and watch. And also, the food is notably one of like the big draws of of Music Fest. You know, we've got some people who come back year after year for island noodles and and things like that. And of course, there's new vendors every year. Um, but but it's a big draw just to just to get there and eat all that there is to eat at Music Fest.
0: Talking about eating, uh, and you mentioned some new restaurants, is there anything uh, off the top of your head uh, type of, of food that uh, might be more available than it's ever been in the Lehigh Valley?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, just with some of the, the you know, one thing we prom- promote every summer is for a foodie lover is just the number of foodie events, and festivals going on. You know, I mentioned blues, brews and barbecue. That is a big one. Uh, Blueberry Fest is another big one. Bacon Fest is something to look forward to as we look ahead to the fall. I know you mentioned that too. Uh, That's a big one. We also, we also have garlic Fest. Um, So for some reason, we're just, we're food minded here in Lehigh Valley. Um, And of course with the Lehigh Valley iron pigs uh, and Bacon Fest, there's a really neat partnership there. Um, And we of course want to, you know, mentioned too, to get out to a Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs game this summer. Grab your shuck of corn and and bring your hat and and just enjoy a a game under the lights at uh, Coca-Cola Park.
0: Holly, remind our listeners one more time, how do we learn about these events?
1: You can head to discoverlehighvalley.com. You can also uh, subscribe to our monthly newsletter. Uh, That way you can plan ahead for some awesome events and stay in the know. Um, and you can also follow us on all social media at Lehigh Valley PA.
0: Holly Herrer, Director of Content and Social Media at Discover Lehigh Valley. Thank you very much for being on every Main Street.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Hey, 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 zero. Did you know WDIY public affairs programs and features are available on all major podcast platforms? Listen anytime on the go at Apple, Google, Spotify, or NPR One Podcasts and apps. Just search for WDIY 88.1 FM and you'll find a variety of award-winning public affairs programming from the Lehigh Valley. Listen and share with your friends and family where you get your podcasts and introduce them to many choices, real voices.
0: Welcome back to On Every Main Street, and welcome to our guest, Martha Capwell-Fox. Good evening, Martha.
2: Hello, thanks for having me on.
0: You bet. Martha, you have worked with our National Museum of Industrial History to create an exhibit about the work of Mr. John Fritz. In the Lehigh Valley, we should all know about Mr. Fritz. Can you tell us why?
2: Well, John Fritz was essentially the man who put, made Bethlehem Steel into a steel-making facility. Um, it was still known as Bethlehem Iron in his, most of his time, working time, but he was the person who took them from simply making iron to making steel for things like uh, armor plate for battleships and um, guns. And um, he was the one who got them moving originally into making steel by the Bessemer process. And then he was un- unhappy with that to, uh, for a number of reasons, and so he then introduced them to open steel uh, steelmaking.
0: So he is a Pennsylvanian, was born just a little bit south of here, and then settled in Bethlehem. Is that right?
2: Well, he took a somewhat roundabout route. He was born in Chester County in 1822, and this is actually the occasion that the... Uh, the NMIH chose to do this exhibit because this is the 200th anniversary of his birth. That'll be on the 21st of August, I believe, either the 21st or the 28th. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born in a, in a in a log cabin um, to a, a family that was not particularly well off in Chester County, and um, he went to work at the age of about 12 or 13 in a succession of Shops that did metalworking, starting with blacksmiths and then other sort of early machine shops. And he was totally fascinated by machinery and he was apparently en- entirely self taught. Um, he did not have the benefit of a whole lot of uh, formal schooling, but um, eventually he and his brother ha- became informed enough about the making of iron as it was to be hired by the Cambria Iron Works out in what is now Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And so while he was in Cambria, he made a really important invention, which was an efficient way to make train train rails. And that was what attracted the attention of Robert Sayre and Bethlehem Iron.
0: So for our listeners, there's, there's really a difference between iron and steel, isn't there?
2: Yes, yes. I mean, I, steel is made from iron, at least when you start from scratch. Nowadays, most steel that's produced in this country is remelted scrap. Um, but before that, you had to start out by making iron, and then put that that iron into a process of some sort that altered. And I do not understand the chemistry, so I can't I cannot repeat that part of it. But that injects oxygen essentially into molten iron and uh, creates chemical reactions, which then uh, produce steel.
0: Yeah. So John Fritz was the one who really introduced the Bessemer process to the valley. Is that correct?
2: That's right, yes. Yeah. It, uh, Bessemer had been used in a couple of different places in the United States, but but Fritz was actually skeptical of it because he thought that the iron that Bethlehem iron, the iron ore that Bethlehem iron was being able to use was not going to be suitable for the Bessemer process. He did make some modifications to the Bessemer converter that they built um, in the the building, the ruins of which are actually still standing on on the steel site. Um, But uh, he very quickly adopted the open hearth process because he figured that it really made a more high-quality steel.
0: Is the Bessemer process explained in the exhibit? Yes, yes, And can you explain a little bit about what that is?
2: Well, the Bessemer process, I mean, you're probably familiar with the pictures because the Bessemer was a real spectacular thing. It's this sort of egg-shaped machine um, that uh, molten iron is poured into and then um, oxygen is injected into it. And when it reaches a certain point, it sort of explodes out of the top, and then the steel, molten steel, is drained from the bottom of the of the process. You can alter the quality of the steel to a certain extent by adding other minerals like chromium and things like that to it. Um, but um, that was essentially what it was. Um, but the open hearth process made it possible to tinker more with the other chemical components of the of the of the 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 steel the resulting steel
0: martha can you tell us about the open hearth process versus the bessemer process
2: well the open hearth is just a completely different process it's done in in what are essentially beds um, in ovens that are inserted into ovens it's really almost like if you think about a, a, a sort of a broiler pan put into a, an oven, except in this particular case, the heat is absolutely astoundingly high. And, um, and, and then, again, oxygen is, is um, blown over the top of it, and when it reaches a certain point, then the furnace can be, the, 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 the hearth can be what's called tapped, and it spills out, and then it's poured into ingot molds. Um, so it really was a bit more complex, but it made steel that could be used for uh, a wider variety of purposes.
0: John Fritz really started the steel industry in this area, didn't
2: he? Yes, yes, he did. Um, the The owners, the board of directors of uh, Bethlehem Iron were not entirely sold on it, of um, uh, the, uh, the, uh, going into steel. They kind of Economically, were forced to because the Western Pennsylvania uh, mills started to make steel rails, and that for trains, and that began to really seriously undercut the the business that Bethlehem was doing with their iron rails, and so that was essentially what persuaded them to invest in going into the steel business. The other thing that's really, really interesting about Fritz and his approach to this, and. uh, the, the remains of the cruciform building are kind of a hobby horse with me because what, what Fritz did when he designed the process uh, and, and inserted the Bessemer into the, into the building there was he had this building built, part, like I said, parts of which are still standing. The most intact part is labeled as the foundry, and it's at the end of the steel site right across from the ice rink. And that's the, that's the most, that still has the roof on it, but it was an enormous building with, it was a double cross, essentially. And molten iron came into the, the, the eastern end of the building directly from the blast furnaces. And then it was carried by some process. And unfortunately, we don't have a lot of detail of how this actually worked. We know what, what was done where, but not in what order. Um, but essentially, what what it was, was that molten iron came in the eastern end, it was put into the Bessemer, steel was produced, and then steel was rolled into steel rails originally, and they came out the other end of the building. It basically was the first integrated steel mill, um, certainly the first integrated steel mill in the Lehigh Valley.
0: So what do you think were John Fritz's challenges when he worked to develop the craft of steel making?
2: Oh. Uh, they they were incredible. And there's this wonderful quote that's actually in the exhibit about if it wasn't for the fact that the, the, that it was so interesting and exciting a, a man, and he does put it that way, just would be hard pressed to stay with it because it was so difficult. It was dangerous. Um, it was, it was simply hard to figure out, um, and, and physically demanding too. you know, being exposed to the heat and, uh, Um, and and, and everything else that went with doing in that process. But he believed that, you know, the effort and the difficulty made the the, the achievement all the more valuable.
0: And a lot of our infrastructure is still around because of the results of what Mr. Fritz did, right?
2: Oh, yes, yeah. Um, He did essentially make Bethlehem into a steel company. Um, and as a matter of fact, he, he was the person who brought Bethlehem into the heavy forging business. And that is the one bit of Bethlehem Steel that still exists, which is Lehigh Heavy Forge. Um, he he and, and Robert Sayer attempted unsuccessfully um, after he, they built the open hearth to go into the structural steel business, actually. And he, they got overruled by the board and instead Fritz got them to begin to think about forging, heavy forging. And so he designed a series of really heavy hammer press, steam hammer presses, and they also bought um, a bunch of them from a company in Britain. And um, so that was how they started to make um, armor plate. And that was the thing that essentially made um, Bethlehem a defense contractor, and which they remained for a long time. But the first thing that they did was they made steel plate for the U.S. Navy when the Navy began to finally move from wooden ships to, to, to iron, to steel ships.
0: So, Martha, we're talking about the exhibit that's at the National Museum of Industrial History. When a person walks into the exhibit, take us through that. What are they going to see first?
2: Um, it's basically the, the story of Fritz's life. Um, I, I love what they did in the design of it. You're confronted with a very large photograph, which is from our collection at the National Canal Museum, of Fritz in his office after he had retired actually from Bethlehem in nineteen oh four, I think it was when he no, earlier than that. He retired in eighteen ninety three, I believe. Um but you can see that he was still Really involved and really aware of of everything that was going on, and the photograph it was blown up enough that they could determine what some of the papers and things on his desk in front of him are, because he has a very messy desk. Um, <laughs> he was and, pretty normal and so, then. <laughs> and so they pro- they reproduced. Uh, they they found online, you know, old the the the, the journals and the periodicals and. In in um, our collection, the National Canal Museum collection of Fritz's correspondence from various people, including Andrew Carnegie, they reproduced all that and they scattered it around on the desk. So that's the first thing you see, and it gives you a a, a, a taste of the breadth of of his knowledge and and his connections in in the industry. When you turn to your right, you actually begin with his birth and 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 early experience in in metallurgy. Um, and then uh, comes around to um, a fairly large segment about his time in Cambria, which was very important. That was really where he was first exposed to steelmaking because uh, they briefly used what was known as a Kelly converter, which was really the first sort of prototype in the way of a Bessemer. I think it was an American invention, though. And um, so there are some, some... uh informative panels about that a bunch of photographs um and then coming around toward the back is a collection of letters and photographs about how he was persuaded to relocate from from cambria to bethlehem and a little bit about his family because sadly um he and his wife and daughter arrived in bethlehem um in early july in 1860 And their daughter, who was only seven, died in September. Wow! She was their only child, too.
0: So, Martha, can you you tell us how long does the exhibit run?
2: The exhibit is open until early October. Um, And so there is still plenty of time to see, and there will still be more activities um, and and talks and uh, features done uh, in connection with the exhibit um, until that point.
0: And if somebody wants to find out more about the exhibit, they can go onto the website, right?
2: That's right. Yeah, their website is www.nmih.org.
0: Well, if you're listening from afar via streaming and you want to come to the Lehigh Valley and see something really interesting, visit the National Museum of Industrial History. Once again, we've been speaking with Martha Capwell-Fox about the John Fritz exhibit, at the National Museum of Industrial History. Martha, thank you for being on today. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. I'm Greg Caponia, and you are listening to WDIY 88.1 FM. Have a great evening. Up next on WDIY 88.1 FM, Folk Classics.